Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Vic throws him out of the game. He pushes. Vigio says, get him away, Kevin. I got to go yell. He says, hey, did you just throw me out? You just throw me out? And then he starts covering his mouth. Montoyo's there, and he's never done anything aggressive in his life. And now he's just screaming here, that's three, should have been three out, screaming, yelling. They're all holding him back. I don't know what he's saying here, but he's got rage in his eyes. <laughs> uh, match that that was a John Boy breakdown on YouTube of the Twins' newest blockbuster signing, boys. <laughs> blockbuster signing. Oh, yeah. I love that in the Twins' quest to reach the ultimate mountaintop, the winning of a single playoff game, mm-hmm. they've made another big splash, signing veteran starter Matt Shoemaker to a one-year, $2 million contract. Now, Shoemaker has made a total of 18 starts over the past three seasons due to injury. So uh, he should be solid in both of his starts in 2021. Yeah. I'm very, very confident. Tore his, tore his ACL in 2019. His ACL in a rundown. Oof, that's a rare baseball I mean, injury. He was it? chasing a guy, I, I believe he was actually had the ball or was the fielder. And uh, yeah, and... and so I read that, and I literally am so conditioned that that when I read ACL, I read UCL. Well, oh, okay. Well, he's been hit off the head. He's been t- taking a fastball off the nog, and that happened like five years ago. It knocked f- him out. A fastball or a line drive? A line or? drive, excuse me. A okay. line a comebacker right off his noggin. Then he had a forearm strain, which caused forearm surgery. I don't think it was UCL, but he had forearm surgery. That's usually a precursor to Tommy John. And then he had ACL surgery. So, yeah, so he's gotten the head, the arm, the so leg. He's, do, he's I, doing well. He's doing great. <laughs> Jay Hab too, right? Did, didn't didn't Hab take a ball off the head he he did. for got, Toronto about four years ago? Yes. Pretty serious. So so 40% of the Twins rotation has taken line drives off the noggin they got hard in heads. the last few years. They got hard heads. You got nothing hey, you to worry about. sacrifice your head to make the play. I know this better than anyone. It happens. I guess. <laughs> That's the new. We are going to be better in the field. How? We will stop the ball through any means necessary. <laughs> So, boys, this is a Twins Tuesday. We've been, even even during the, the quieter times of the offseason, up until the Twins' flurry of activity uh, over the last few weeks, we've been having at least weekly Twins discussions. And I'll tell you, with spring training on the horizon here, we are just days away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and that'll lead eventually to spring training games, barring some sort of a, 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 a COVID derailment of some sort. We can pretty much promise you daily Twins discussions once we get into the thick of this and uh, probably the best Twins discussions, at least top five, I don't know, in the Twin Cities. 
But I have I have a take for you that was it was too big of a statement to be contained in Monday statement segment. Mm-hmm. It had to be fleshed out over Twins Tuesday here. Okay, I'm going to deliver it to you right now. I think the Twins are better on paper heading into this season than last season. And why? Well, let's go through the let's go through the transactions. Because I'd like to respond, but I okay. want your yeah, is there a, the backup first. Is there, here. there a speed gun coming down here? Is, is, there, is this a speed trap that? Uh, I don't think this is pull no, over no bowl, Do you? Okay. Well, I don't know. There could be a cop well, around the, the corner. Hot, you hot never take know. Police. I, I, I don't think know. it's a completely hot take. But I'm curious. What, I'm curious what the thought processes are sure, in okay. this statement. Right. Let's start out with the big one. Okay. All right. The twins have swapped out. Rolled up wet newspaper hitter Marwin Gonzalez, who, by the way, fraudulently, fraudulently threw out his 300 batting average from a few years ago as like, oh, this is why you should sign me to a three-year contract. Yeah, well, you were banging on trash cans to hit 300 that year, but that's fine. Uh, so he, he was kind of a fraud. So trading out Marwin Gonzalez for one of the greatest defensive shortstops of all time in Andrelton Simmons. And I don't, I almost feel like like we spent a lot of time for a couple days on that, and it was it was it's a one year deal, but it, it was kind of splashy. But then we sort of, I feel like we all moved past it because then Kirk Cousins' rumor started. It's not hyperbole to say people would blame us for that. <laughs> that the, yeah, well, well Mackie and Judd did. We that. can wear that. We can wear that. Oh, I'm fine with it. But the Twins are swapping out a yep. below average defensive shortstop, moving moving him Polanco to a position where he's probably going to be above average defensively at second base, and they are swapping in. The greatest defensive shortstop of the last 25 years in baseball. Basically, since Ozzie Smith retired, there was a gap. There was Omar Vizquel was in there. Statistically, Andrelton Simmons is head and shoulders above anyone else who's played that position in the last 20, 25 years. And then Luis Arise moves into, instead of a starting role, a super utility role. So that right there is a huge, huge upgrade. Mm-hmm. I also think the bullpen, you might say, ah, oh, yeah, but you lost a lot of guys like Trevor May. Trevor May is a big loss. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. Trevor May was a really good seventh, eighth inning guy. Sometimes would go through spurts of giving up home runs every other outing. But so you're saying goodbye to Trevor May. You're also saying goodbye, I think, at the right time to Sergio Romo and Tyler Clippard. Romo was good, but there's a cliff there at some point, and I think yeah, I think the twins good. got off the horse just in time. Clippard I liked. And basically use the same amount of money you're going to play, pay Romo to get Alex Colomay. Yeah, that's a correct. significant upgrade. That's a nice upgrade. And you're that's right. the big one. You bring in an established top-end yep. closer in Alex Colomay, assuming that he'll be the closer. Yep. And then you bump Taylor Rogers and Tyler Duffy into setup roles that they're probably better suited for anyways. And now you can mix and match with those guys in the 7th and 8th innings. And by the way, Jorge Alcala, who showed major signs in the second half of the season last year, I think Jorge Alcala could be a huge weapon for you. Maybe a two-inning guy late in those games. So um, they still need to figure out what a couple of those bullpen slots look like. But at the top end of that bullpen, Colome, Taylor Rogers, Tyler Duffy, Jorge Alcala, I really like that part of the bullpen. Um, Eddie Rosario, he's been a mainstay in the lineup. You say goodbye to him. It would have been nice to get something for him, but sort of the, the state of the baseball market. You swap him out and his guaranteed 25-plus homers and he drives in runs, but he's also a low-on-base guy. He's not a very good defensive outfielder anymore, and he can just as easily screw up a game as he can win a game for you. 
and you bring in the combination of Alex Kirloff and Brent Rooker. And Kirloff, if he clicks right away, projects to be a better overall player than Rosario. Mm -hmm. And he's been in the same prospect bin as guys like Cody Bellinger just a few years later. He's younger. And so if, and you've seen some of these young guys like Pete Alonso and Cody Bellinger, they just click right away. Kirloff is in that bin according to scouts and and Baseball America, et cetera. He just hasn't been given the chance yet outside of the one playoff game. Uh, rotation, I think it's kind of a wash. You're basically swapping out Jacob to Rizzi, who's been banged up, um, was hurt and not good last year, and Rich Hill, who just can't stay healthy. For Jay Happ, who's been healthier, even though he's old, and uh, Matt Shoemaker, who in his three starts should be good for you. But the top end of the rotation, Maeda, Buxton, Pineda, is basically the same. So maybe a slight downgrade there. You'd like to get one. If Shoemaker stays healthy, it's a wash. I look at all those things and I say they're much better defensively, much better defensively. The top end of their bullpen is better, and Kirloff might be better than Rosario. I think they're better on paper. Fight me. I don't want to fight. I'm too old to fight. But what I do have is a bucket of cold water. Okay, That's fine. I've got a bucket of cold water. Here's the thing, here's where I agree with you is, and it's about time, defensively, left side of the infield, significantly improved, significantly. It's about time. Thank God. I mean, two years back, you you were trying to sell me a bunch of garbage on, oh, it's fine, it's fine. And then Polanco finally in the playoff game against the Strohs makes that brutal throw, and you said... Maybe it's not fine. Maybe Mackie and Judd are right. Should we improve our defense? Um, so here's where where I will pour a bit of a bucket of cold water on this conversation and bring up some question marks, okay? The lineup going from 2019 into 20, I was pretty certain because that was a team that had hit 307 home runs, a major league record, had added Donaldson, Um and look damn good, okay? Now, in retrospect, transitioning from the 60-game shortened pandemic season of 2020 to 2021, here are my questions that I think are valid, and they're potential concerns, but they are to-be-determined things, okay? One, Josh's calf. Like, with the problem is, it's clearly chronic, so it's not like, well, he, he had some calf problems in 2020, and now they might be gone. We don't know. He, he, was, he played uh, basically a full year with the Braves in 2019, but before that had calf problems, and they came back, and, and he played in, what, 28 games, I believe? Yep. So that, so that is a major concern, because if he can't play, that's a big deal. Like it's not like a, well we'll just do do this yeah hip, that's hip, a significant that's a significant question mark that we legitimately do not know the answer to so real quick him and Buxton combined to miss about fifty percent of the Twins games last year including I mean Buxton played in one of the playoff games but he was clearly they came into he got picked off yeah it was, it was they it was threw bad. him in concussed it looked like is what yep. they did and Cruz Cruz has been sort of banged up and old but with with Donaldson and Buxton yes so they missed about fifty percent of the games including playoffs. I would actually bank on that number coming down. Like, I don't expect them to play 150 games each, but I don't think they're both going to miss a combined half the season. I hope not. Knock on wood, because those are the two guys that are most likely to sit out for chunks. And my problem with those two guys is this. 
I also can't tell you that, that I'm confident, though. Like, Buxton finds ways, and I don't know why, and I don't blame him, but he finds ways to get hurt. He's chasing a fly ball in an arbitrary July-like practice, and his ankle almost breaks. Like, who else does that happen to? Yeah. It's just bizarre. So, so until until J.D. and Buxton prove to me that they can play, I can't count on, oh, it's going to be fine. Second one. With the real Miguel Sano, please stand up, okay? I think he has. Okay, well, if he has, in 2020, he had 204 and struck out 90 times in 205 at-bats. All right? That's a problem. Um, if he could even get back to a semblance of the player that he developed into or appeared to be in 2019, that changes the game. He doesn't need to be that exact player. But 204, he did nothing last year. Like, like we, we started— He got super hot for like two weeks. Yeah, and everyone got excited. But when the season started in July, the big question was, can he play first base? Because we all assumed, well, he's gonna he's going to mash, right? I mean, he's going to hit home runs, right? He's going to strike out, but 204, 90 strikeouts, 205 at bats. If that's if that's him for sure, that's a problem. Uh, Polanco, who I, I know played, I believe they said with a, a bad ankle for much of last year, went from 295 and really effective in 2019 to two uh, 258 in 2020. Now, he's going to play second, which should help, too. But that's a bounce back. The other potential bounce back here, boys, well, two of them, but one, Max Kepler. Mm-hmm. Max Kepler, everything across the board for him in 2020 dropped. Uh, he, he had 252 in 2019. That dropped to 228. His on-base dropped. His slugging dropped. So is Max Kepler... The guy who we saw in 2019 and were impressed by, or the guy who regressed in 2020? I don't think that we have the answer to that completely. And then the last one, and I'm just curious who this guy is, is Garver. 273, what, 31, I believe, home runs in 2019. He was absolutely fantastic. He was 12 for 72 last year. (laughs) 167, okay? So... This team, he's likely to bounce back, though. Right, but to that's be actually what, a feather in my cap. Right, but to be what, like something, to something bounce be, back into something the middle better, of that? Something better than last year on paper, which <laughs> well, is my well, argument. Thank you for that. My, <laughs> but my point is, is to me that this this team offensively has a lot of question marks, and I'm curious what the answers are. But here's the beauty, okay? This team also has more. And they might depth. be fine too. They might be. I don't know. The fact that either Mitch Garver or Ryan Jeffers is going to be coming off the bench, like they're going to they're going to split some duties. But mm-hmm. uh, but you've got two guys who, at their best, have been just great offensive options at that position. I think Jeffers is probably the better overall catcher when you include defense and pitch framing and things like that. Could do a deep dive on that at some point. And then Luis Arise, you know, this is this is the other thing when. Josh Donaldson goes down with a calf injury last year. You're looking around, and you're like, all right, I guess Marwin or Adrianza has to come in and play large chunks of games for like a month at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a huge problem. But when Luis Arise comes in and mm-hmm. has to play a month, it's like, is it, is it a drop off from Josh Donaldson? Yes. To your point about Garver, I, the reason I would lean toward putting him in my bin of 
proof that they're going to be better on paper going into the season is he's not going to be worse than he was last year. He can't be worse than he he's was not last playable, year. playable then, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't play. playable last year. Right. So if he can even bounce back to be like 60% of the offensive player he was two but years ago, I'm saying, the is, team is better is on paper. Is that him? Is... So, so I, I agree. I think this team has a chance to be fine. I guess what I'm cautioning is I think there are question marks now. And and those things going into um, last last year in the spring, those things I think we thought were more certainties, and now they're more question marks. On Miguel Sano, real quick, uh, like you bring him up and that's great, but I'm I'm not suggesting that he's going to all of a sudden turn into something that he hasn't been for the last five years. My assessment of this team being better on paper includes the volatility of Miguel Sano. Who, by the way, in the last hundred years of Major League Baseball, has the sixth highest strikeout rate of all time. Yeah. And there's a few pitchers on this list, like Lefty Grove is above him. <laughs> Pitcher from the 50s? Oh, Lefty right? Grove is good. Lefty no, Grove. No, Lefty Grove. Wait, before that. Lefty was in the 30s or the 40s. Lefty, yeah, he's a, that's a huge name, Lefty Grove. The only current contemporary players oh on God, this list great. above him are Joey Gallo, who's they're basically tied at 37%, and Keon Broxton. Uh, who struck out thirty nine percent? The Twitches signed him. They signed Keon Broxton. Yeah, he's a invite. A, he's, he's an invite. Minor league contract. Yes, yeah. he's Keon Broxton. We got them all. <laughs> oh, Let's get Lefty Grove. Let's exhume <laughs> him and get him. Let's get everyone. Hey, Babe Did Ruth. They freeze his body. Can, can they get Babe Ruth? <laughs> ah, I strike out once in a while, but I like to eat a mean hot dog. Oh man, I like to. So Keon Broxton. So my so my three my three concerns are are Donaldson's health. Buxton's health, fair. and can Snow just give you something? Like, can he not constantly strike out? Like, <clears throat> Sano is so weird because for two weeks, and people got fooled into this. I remember uh, Nick Nelson from Twins Daily put me in the bad takes Hall of Fame for saying, you guys, he's hot, but let's not act like you can't find a guy who hits 220, doesn't get on base, and hits 25, 30 home runs. Like, you can find productivity like you're getting with Miguel Sano, probably for a lot less money. Absolutely, you're paying Miguel Sano based on what you hope he can be, right? And and I yes. think I think the idea of what he could be five or six years ago is still stuck in our heads. And he's still young enough, and he still shows flashes for two three week stretches. But baseball's not about two and three week stretches. Baseball's about a six month marathon season and then a one month playoff. Also, like a month and a half spring training, it's about having your body and your mind right for long stretches of time. And that's why I don't get super excited when I see him hit the cover off the ball for two and a half weeks. It's like, that's awesome. But there's a lot of guys that can hit the cover off the ball for four months and then their slumps are shorter. He's the opposite. He puts up almost all of his numbers in like these short spurts and then he goes dormant for a month. Right. And uh, and the playoffs have been sort of the same story for him. So. You know, is there still a beast to be unleashed in there somewhere? Yeah, but like if you're giving away almost 40% of your plate appearances to automatic outs, which is what he's doing, it's impossible to hit for a respectable average or get on base at a respectable clip. You Mm -hmm. just, well, strikeouts don't matter. I mean, I'm an analytics guy, and strikeouts matter less than people thought they did 20, 30, 50 years ago. But there comes a point where if you're just giving, if you come to bat 600 times in a season, and right off the top, right off the top, you give away like 250 or 300 of those to automatic outs. The pie chart of productivity gets a lot smaller for you. So it's a math game with Sonoma. 90 strikeouts and 205 at-bats is not acceptable anywhere. It's just not. 
And he's not a good enough defensive player to, no, to hell like, make no. up for it. So. Hell no. But that and is, Brent Rooker's knocking. Kirloff is knocking. He's got, yeah. You don't need greatness, but I think what, what you need and, and what he didn't show in 2020 is competence. Like his at-bats were incompetent. You can't have that. Except for that two-week stretch where he was harming kids and everybody pointed out. So here's my here's my take as well, and I did a column on this for scorenorth.com yesterday and fleshed out this topic. So my feeling is this, and what I'm about to say is not fair, but it doesn't matter what's fair. It matters what's expected. It doesn't matter what your name is. My feeling is playoff berths now for, for the Twins are expected – and I'm going to put this as simple as possible, and it's what we've been saying on this show for months now. The pressure, this sounds so silly, but it's true. The pressure is on now to win one playoff game. <laughs> but if you make the playoffs again and just, you know, the streak goes to 19 and 20, I'm just done with it. I'm just done with it. You've proven that, that you're a good team that you are certainly capable of being a playoff team, of being a back-to-back division champion, mm-hmm. right? But my expectation of Rocco and the boys going into spring training this year is not, well, I hope we can get back. No. Win a playoff game. I want to create sort of a modified Mackie and Judd swear jar here on this show as we go in. The baseball season's about to start when the boys report to Fort Myers, right? My own personal swear jar is going to be if I mistakenly bring up World Series or playoff run in any way. If I if I at all, in any of our discussions the entire year, I don't care if this team at the trade deadline is like 50 and 20. They like, could go get Lefty Grove and you still <laughs> can't say that. I think Jay Happ might be the same age as Lefty Grove, though. Maybe Declan can look that up and confirm. Looks but good. if if I at all go beyond winning a playoff game in my discussions or projections of the Twins, yep. then you guys slap me upside the head. One win. You, you will not hear me talk about World Series. I don't, again, I don't care if they've got the best record in baseball on September 1st and they've traded for Max Scherzer. Everything that they do is leading up to can they win a GD playoff game mm-hmm. for the first time since 2004? Mm-hmm. The longest stretch in American sports, North American sports history. It's impossible. 0 for 18. It's baseball. It's baseball. The best teams in baseball are the equivalent of like 9 and 7 and 10 and 6 NFL teams. Everything gravitates toward the middle and the toward coin flips. And you've are, lost 18 straight? The odds are infinitesimal that you can do that. That I can avoid. Oh, that you can. No, oh, both. Well, both. Yeah, yeah. both. Both. <laughs> but it's infinitesimal. Like, it's impossible. It's impossible. And And years back, we said, we said what? To, as as Patrick says, at the start of the 2011 season, we all said, can the Twins finally get past the Yankees, right? Now we're talking about anybody who makes the playoffs. Come one, come all. I don't care if it's the A's, the Angels, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the, the Kansas City A's. I don't care who it is. We're talking about one playoff win against anybody, the Astros. The Astros, I remind you, were under 500 when they arrived at Target Field to play the Twins in a in a best of three, and they swept in two. They were under five. They're the only American League team in, in the 16-team playoff field that existed last season that made the playoffs under 500. They came to your park. It was a layup to win one game. 
Again, one game, right? Yep. So again, that's that's got to be our. Do that. It's got to be our swear jar. Declan, break the tie here. Who, who's right? Uh, I say the Twins are better on paper going into the season, and Judd disagrees. What are your thoughts? All right. As much as I want to drink the Twins Kool Aid after this run of free agents that they made here in the last few it's, weeks. By the way, it's non-alcoholic Kool-Aid non-alcoholic, here. Because, that's fine. Because no longer are we on the Let's World Series. Really, right, no, no. This is not a St. Cloud WAP edition of Kool-Aid. I, I'm, I, I know that this is just normal sugar. Let's not really ca- call it a run, Kool-Aid. though. Let's let's ca- call it a, just a, a nice yeah, a, a nice a little, little day, day at the store. Yeah. I, I don't feel it's really a I, I think the Twins still are the favorites to win this division. The White Sox will give them hell. I, like I think the rotation has upgraded a little bit. I like what you have more in the bullpen than you did last year. I was skeptical going in the bullpen last year. You guys had to talk me into buying into the bullpen. Tyler Duffy turned into an elite reliever. Um, obviously, Taylor Rogers went down a little bit, but I still think he's an above-average reliever, and I don't think he gets worse next season either. I think he finds a way to come back to who he was. Alex Colomay is one of the best closers in the game, and now you have three firefighters basically in your bullpen that you can pair with in a starting rotation that has basically proven you don't really have guys who can go deep into games. So that's good. Now, Baldelli has to manage those bullpen situations a hell of a lot better, not going to Cody Stashek in a high-leverage situation the sixth because it's the third time of the order and you're starting pitchers through 90 games, or 90 pitches, excuse me. But I think this lineup can still mash. I still believe that the Twins should be in the playoff field, but I have the trepidations, and Phil saw, had, to, had to watch this with me. I just want to see them win a playoff game. So, yes, I think they are as good as they were last year. I don't know if they're better on paper. I don't know if I can say that, that they're better on paper than they were last year, but they should be in the conversation. They should be able to host a ALDS and just win a playoff game. Please, for the love of God, win a playoff game for my psyche. Think Half my lifetime. We're, asking. We are, we're not even, like, we're literally asking for just in, in game one, just just a nice little nine run outburst. All I'm saying is just, this. You win that game nine to three, and then you get your ass kicked the rest of the series, if and the, we'll still consider it a success. If the starter is going well in game one, Rocco. Leave him in, and then game two, yank the starter after the third. I don't even care at that point. They should, in time. They should pop champagne if they win game one. I'm just popping play, and, champagne, and then play the B lineup in game two. I'm calling in sick the next day. <laughs> what if they a- allowed us to actually manage game one? Just told Baldelli, take this day off. You can come back for game two. We could leave the starters in. We could not no rest and recovery. Nelson Cruz, no nap today. No, I I want him taking naps. He uh, plays no, better no, when no. Nap. We're keeping him up. Why would you not want him no, to take naps? naps? I needed a nap. We're, we're keeping him up. Wait, so his routine is to nap, and he has the two best offensive seasons in Twins history, and you want to take away the nap? Because I want to not change, get to manage the Twins. Because I want because I want to ch- I want to change the luck for Game One. I'm changing everything. Okay, except the naps. You can't change the naps. Um, real quick. Uh, uh, a Vikings nugget. There's a couple of Vikings things that are always sure to set Judd off, and we're going to get to one here in a second. But uh, we have a new partner on board here with Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily, Whamatech. All right? This is especially for Judd here, okay? What do you got for me? If you're listening or watching us on a broken-down phone, tablet, or laptop, I think, like, if we had a pie chart of whose computer is most likely to blue screen and whose oh, phone no. is who's most likely to get an email from like IT saying you've used too much data this month? The company is going to have to shut your phone down. Of, I just got that one. <laughs> it's all good. Then Not maybe it's ago. time to break down and get a new device. You don't have to break the bank though, because Whamatech is a trusted supplier of pre-owned cell phones, tablets, and laptops, and new accessories. Wholesale prices are also available when you purchase ten or more devices. Buy, sell, trade in. 
whatever you need. Wamatech is a local company that will take great care of you. You can find them online at wamatech.com. That's W A M A T E K.com. Not to be mistaken for Judd's favorite 80s band, Wham. Wake me up. Oh, little George Michael? Little, little, little sexy George sax man. I'm excited about this. I mean, so new phone, new computer. Mm-hmm. Don't say. The, the blue screen thing scares me, though. Don't say blue what about, screen. What about jealous of wireless like Bluetooth blue headphones? I would love to see jealous I mean, if we can get Royce oh, to like learn a, how to use Bluetooth headphones, exactly. we can use Judd. Oh, I could do that. Yeah. I'd yeah, do that. Sure. That Why not? Yeah. Help me out. All right. Thank you. So, um, Adrian Peterson oh, yeah, came go. out yesterday. Let's go. And Adrian Peterson. Oh, my God. Adrian Peterson said, and by the way, he is now 35 years old. He's turning 36 years old. He's 74 years old. March 21st. He's 74. He just turned. He's a spry, young 74-year-old. And he has said two things now in, I think, two separate interviews the last couple weeks. One, he wants to play for Tampa Bay. Yeah, that, Which, that, like, that was Who my doesn't favorite. want to play for Tampa Bay He at this said point? that like the day after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'd like to join Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Oh my. Go get that ring. You know, he deserves a ring at some point. Oh, but the other thing he said doesn't. is he <laughs> thinks he wants to play five more years into his 40s so that he can break Emmett Smith's rushing record, all-time rushing record. So Peterson currently sits fifth on the all-time list with 14,820 yards. He is about 400 yards behind Barry Sanders. He's 1,200 yards behind Frank Gore. And he's about 3,500 yards behind Emmett Smith. Frank Gore still playing, too. That is correct. Yep. He's not retired yet either. So Adrian Peterson still has his sights set on Emmett Smith's 18,355 rushing yards, and he wants to play into his 40s. Your thoughts? How about him in purple at some point? No. Oh, God, don't even say that. Don't even say that. He is He is o- almost certainly the one-day contract guy, right? Like, he's finally done yep. at, at, like, 52. I would bring him back. I would bring him back. Not this year. On your roster? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? I would. It would be fun. No, especially in a, in a rebuilding year in a couple oh years when the Kirk thing stop blows up. With, in the no, stop with it. But here's the thing: is he is continually in his prime. He was a and he is a Hall of Fame player. Okay, I always feel I need to preface it with that. So, so the the hate that I'm about to exude has nothing to do with me not thinking that in his prime he was a joy to watch and a great player. All of that being said, has there ever been anyone throughout the course of his or her career who has been more tone deaf than this guy? Like, you're ta- is, he, is he tone deaf? He's I mean, absolutely he's, tone, he's, he's tone he, deaf. He just wants he, to play, man. He's, a, he's absolutely tone deaf. Just the damn ball. The Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions, who are who are the toilet bowl of football teams, along with the Texans right now, are jettisoning this guy, and he's like, hey, you know what would be great to play? Tampa Bay, which just won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. You really think that the Tampa Bay Bucks are saying, oh, let's see here. What do we need? AP. We'll give him 28. No, I mean, it's just, it's so pathetic and it's so sad. And everything that he does now continues, in my opinion, to overshadow the greatness that we once remembered him by. Does it, though? Like, if he if he passes Emmett Smith, here's my question, okay? Let's say he does, and I wouldn't put it past him physically. He has stayed healthy the last three what years. What league is he going to play him by the time he passes him? Because it won't be the National Football League. Well, the XFL Who's just got bought by The Rock and his ex-wife. Uh, so. I'm a big Rock fan. But Adrian has played 16, 15, and 16 games the last three years. So he has played full seasons. He's rushed for four yards a carry, yeah. 4.1 yards a carry yeah, the last three years. I saw it last year. All right? yeah. he's, still, he's still productive enough. I'm not saying that he's you know an all-pro anymore. But I wouldn't put it past him physically to play until he's into his late 30s. 
So if he someone did the math on this, that if he plays like four, he has to average like 700 plus yards a year for four or five more years, whatever it is, to catch Emmett Smith. Okay, let's say he do, let's say he just grinds this out a new team every year. Lions goes and plays for the Jaguars. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he gets say. the Buccaneers in there, and he does it, and he catches Emmett Smith. But it's this like slow crawl over it's the next pathetic. five years. It's pathetic. I think it makes him the greatest running back of all time. No, especially if he gets a ring in no, there. No, no, no. I disagree because he'll then have then at his peak he was regarded as maybe the greatest of all time. At his peak, people were comparing him. To Jim Brown, to Walter Payton. Yeah, he was great as peak. And then longevity-wise, Emmett Smith did this for like four years. Like Emmett Smith was, oh, Emmett Smith was at the, the end was pathetic. For, yeah. I covered a game, a Packers Cards game. Uh, it was pathetic. I so I wanted him to retire. Right. But if he, had, I, I wanted to go down to the field and tell him. But here's the thing, dude, you got to retire. Emmett Smith. I just want to pull this up here. Emmett Smith with the Cardinals tacked on. An extra like thirteen, twelve or thirteen hundred yards rushing. Yeah, uh, and I actually he might have been he was past Peyton with the Cowboys. But Emmett, my point is Emmett Smith played three or four years longer where he was averaging like three and a half yards a carry. Yep. So that he could pass Walter Payton. Yep. If he hadn't passed Walter Payton, people wouldn't put him in the conversation as the greatest running back of all time. We we include Emmett Smith in that discussion in part because of the longevity that okay. you view as detrimental to the his Arizona years are thing are things that I cannot get out of my head. There it was awful, it was pathetic, it was a mistake. The Peterson thing is just go away, dude. Just it's it's over. Like you are you you are now needlessly playing for the Detroit Lions. You aren't even their best back now because of your need to stick this thing out and try and set a mark that I don't think personally he's going to get to. But the the reason I think also, not surprising, why he won't go away is very simple. He needs the payday, I'm sure. I believe I saw he's being sued or there's something else up now with his uh, financial situation. So I'm sure you're correct. I'm sure he's going to keep playing as long as he possibly can just to get the paydays. But I'm sorry. I can't believe you guys both it's agree sul- on this. It's sullied. What do you mean? I can't believe you think he can break the record. I, it's I, awful. No I don't way. know. I don't think it's likely he breaks the record, but I think he's a physical specimen. He is. He's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, that's not the point, right? The best Vikings running back of all time. I wouldn't have thought that yeah. he would still be doing this at age 36. Yeah. And, and I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah, I'm done with well, it. Well, you're not. No one's get forcing the, you. Get off the stage. Who, who's forcing you to watch Lions or Washington the, games? Because the, the last Vikings three years. Lions game I had to watch. <laughs> and it was pathetic. I covered a Packers Cards game. I had to watch a broken down aged, awful Emmett Smith behind a bad offensive line. It was pathetic. Just for the record. It okay. breaks every em- Zolgadian rule of retirement. Emmett Smith was much more broken down than Adrian Peterson is yes. now. Emmett Smith was literally like yes, barrel into the line of scrimmage and fall over broken down. Yeah. Peterson is still busting off runs and he's still, like he scored seven touchdowns last year but for God's what sake. What drives me He had a forty yard run? What drives me nuts though is this whole thing of, well, yeah, I'd like to play into my forties and I'd like to go play for the Buccaneers with T B. No yeah, no kidding, Sherlock. He wants Tom Brady to show him some of that avocado ice cream that can get him into his mid forties. All of a sudden, Peterson looks like he's 23 again because he's hanging out with Brady. It's been a great career, right? Yeah. With the Vikings, you were unbelievable. Like you were. I give you full credit. You get. You, I will. I will recall the games that I covered him. The Chargers game. 
the, that Browns game, the Steelers game, where he trucked that guy. It was unbelievable. But it's done. All right. That's fine. Then I'll be the one in three years that's on this on this bandwagon. You've gone this far, Adrian. Don't listen to these two He's going to be on crutches. You've like gone this far, dude. Keep Adrian going. Peterson, two-yard gain. There's the also, record. Also, here's the other miraculous thing. One more thing on this, and then we're, we're going to debut a new Judd-centric segment here, okay? This is the most amazing thing about Peterson's career to this point. In his prime at age, well, his prime, I guess, was probably still 29. Uh, most running backs are cooked by the time they're 29. He missed 15 games in 2014. That was the switch incident, right? Where he took a switch to yes. his kid in, in 2014. Yeah, he yes. wasn't hurt. So he missed 14 games there, probably 12 to 1,400 yards. And then in 2016, that was the year. Didn't he get banged up or something? And after yes. three games, was that the meniscus, right? He tore his meniscus and then he missed the Against rest the of Packers the year. Packers early in yeah. that season. And so that's probably another, let's call it 11 to 1,200 yards. So that's like that's like twenty four hundred yards conservatively in his prime that he missed by hitting his kid with a tree branch and by tearing his knee. If you tack those yards on, he's at seventeen thousand right now, and he's one thousand three hundred away from Emmitt Smith. And it would, and then he wouldn't have to play at least forty. He could just play for a couple more years. Oh yeah, well, you know, and then he would for sure. Yeah, too bad. So all right, um, real quick, Federated Mutual Insurance Company. You've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years. And uh, they recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. Now, as a business owner, think about how helpful it would be for your employees to have training at their fingertips, industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. MyShield has resources to help your business, like safety training and videos, customizable risk management plans, handbooks, you name it. Find out more by clicking on the MyShield link at federatedinsurance.com or download the app. And remember... At Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Let's roll this, Dex. Marcus, are you going to try to beat Bret Hart with a sharp shooter? Yes, he is! Watching it go down, and as a fan, you, you, it kind of blended the lines of reality and, and who was the winner, and everyone was confused. Are you kidding me? New segment alert here. Earl Hebner. New segment alert. Earl Hebner, you gutless coward. <laughs> there you go. You gutless wow. coward. You screwed your friend, Bret Hart. All right, hold you on. ran wow. out of the ring. I'm still, I'm very upset. All right, new segment it's alert. Our research. Judd explains wrestling. Earl Hebner. If you smell what the rock is cooking. So Declan and I are huge wrestling nerds. We have, if you go back in the Mackie and Judd archives, we reviewed... I want to say like the first 22 WrestleManias on a week-to-week basis during the pandemic. And uh, we just we still watch WWE Network on a regular basis to this day, AEW. So we've been immersed in wrestling as fans our whole lives. Judd has not. Judd, is it safe to say that you've never really gotten into WWE? Yes. As a kid, I I was an AWA fan. So you've net like the WWF and WWE product is pretty much foreign to you outside of your conversation. I went to a match in the I went to a match in the eighties at Met Center, awesome, uh, which was WWF at the time, I believe. Yeah, uh, that's as close as I got to, to caring. I believe that was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, George the George Steele. Yeah, George the Animal. The Animal yeah. Steel, yeah. I believe yeah. that was him. Hair on his back. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's much like me gross. now. Mm, yeah. It's good. Good stuff. Oh, it's great anyway, visual. That's, yeah. so, uh, so we've given Judd here a homework assignment. We've given him a handful of some of the top key moments in relatively recent WWE history, like the last 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. 
And the goal of this segment is for Judd to explain those key moments to us in the best way that he can. If you smell what the rock is cooking. This week, Judd explains the Montreal screw job. Yeah, yeah. So I spent an hour at least researching this, watching stuff on YouTube. November 9th, 1997, from the Survivor Series at the home of the Montreal Canadiens, the Molson Centre. Okay? Raucous crowd. All right. Bret Hart friendly Canada. I looked at, I examined the screw job from every angle possible. Good for you. Because the easiest thing is just to say Bret Hart got, got jobbed because he, he was going uh, to go to what at the time? WCW Correct. from his, from WWF at the time before w. it was WWE um, and that Vince screwed him. Okay, but that's not how I see it. <laughs> that's not how I broke this down. All right. So Bret Hart did get screwed as, as so it was Bret Hart and uh, Shawn M- Michaels, correct? Yep. Okay. So Mike, I feel like we shouldn't help him. So okay. so <laughs> So oh, we can answer questions. Yeah. The agreement was that Bret Hart was going to to in his home country, in Canada, his native Canada. Mm-hmm. He had said two things to Vince. I'll give the title back, but the two things are: I don't like Sean, so I'm not going to lose to Sean. The second thing is I'm not going to lose in my home country. So mm. I'll lose in the United States, but I am not going to come to Montreal and lose my belt. And Vince said, okay. And so they, they came up with this elaborate thing where they were going to have, not surprisingly, mass chaos in the ring. And they were going to declare that there was not a victor of the match. And that at some point in time, Hart was going to go back and... And and give the title back, but it wasn't going to be that. Vince gets supposedly cold feet and says, "This is going to be a problem because he's going to a competitive wrestling company that was the, kicking their ass at the yeah. time." Too. Yeah, the, exactly right. So so there's financial problems here. So Vince says he's going to a competitive company that the next night is going to exploit the fact that he has the WWF title, and most importantly. Most importantly, in my research, I found that a female champion a few years before yes. had made the same switch. Alundra Blaze, right? And then taken the belt <laughs> to WCW and thrown it in the garbage. The WWF, the sacred WWF belt. Yep. On freaking live on television. On live television. Yeah. And yeah. Vince smartly says, I don't trust them not to get Bret Hart to do the exact same thing. So he decided to pull a screw job in wrestling terms <laughs> and the only question to this day is who knew what and who didn't and they have kept it a mystery it's amazing this is what i love they have kept this a a deep dark secret about who knew what but it is one of the most genius entertainment platforms of all time because that night as far as i can tell took took wwf from a struggling secondary wrestling league and catapulted it and created a character in Vince. And and all we know is from the clip that we played that the referee, Earl Hebner, yep. 
A friend, by the way, of Bret Hart, who claims he got cold feet and, and had been told just before the match to call it, while Michaels had Bret Hart in, in Bret Hart's sharpshooter move. I mean, think about that. And he yeah. didn't even count him out. He right. just says, ring the bell, and then he runs, and he ran to his hotel. He ran to his hotel. Um. So here's my, but here's my overall takeaway of this. I think in wrestling parlance, this was a work. And I think Bret Hart to this day, I think Bret Hart was in wow. on this. Wow. And here's what here's what I would like to know. I think I disagree, but I love the yeah, fresh no, perspective don't, don't, here. Don't no, I, I see why. But here's what I would like to know. And you could only do, do this through a very thorough audit of bank accounts. I would not be surprised if Bret Hart was a double agent having having taken WCW's wow. payday, but also wow. being paid off Dude. secretly by Vince, who is an underhanded bad guy. But think about if he said, because, so Hart was was going to sign back on a, on a long-term lucrative deal with Vince. But then Vince did two things. One, this was... This was two years before. But Vince's plan was to take the company public, which is a big deal, which means that you do not want your your contracted employees under long-term, multi-million-dollar deals at that time. So Vince basically told Brett, I'm going to have to back out of what we've been talking about doing. But what if he said, I'm going public and we can be successful, even more successful, if we pull this off, because this to me looks like a defining moment in the McMahon led WWF success story. Wow. If you smell- That's reckless. All right. All right. Uh, first of all, Declan, how would you grade Judd's explanation of the Montreal screw job? That's an A. That is an it's A. It's an A for that, sure. That, that is an A Thank explanation. I, I, don't, I didn't receive many A's in my in my educational timeline, but but that is an A. Nor did I've I. I've never seen one. It was uh, it was great. That was excellent. It's Thanks. an A in the explanation, and then it goes to an A plus because you brought a theory to the table that I don't think and like as much. This is the most dissected moment in wrestling history, and I don't know that the path that you just explored has really fully been explored. In that, Bret Hart. It's always been perceived, because Bret Hart has made it so, that he got screwed, and they had an agreement, and Vince went away from it. And then even so much as, like, Bret destroyed the video equipment in the ring after the match and, and air-painted WCW on live Jim TV Ross in the ran arena. out. Yep. And uh, and then there's uh, there was a documentary. This is what's also kind of fishy. Yeah, there was a, a documentary team that was following yeah. Bret Hart behind the scenes leading up to this. Yeah, wrestling with shadows. Imagine like, oh, we're going to document Bret Hart throughout yeah. this period. And then like this happens while you're documenting behind the scenes. Correct. Bret went into Vince's office, punched him out, gave yep. him a black eye. And yep. there's there's witnesses that, that saw actually, him go to Vince's office. Actually, that's not true. Vince, Vince ran and locked the door. Mm-hmm. The Undertaker... Banged on the door and said, "You got to go talk to Brett." Brett went, or Vince went into Brett's room, and Brett said, "Leave, or I'm going to 
to deck you. He went and showered, came back. Vince was still there, and that's when he decked him. It gets even better. It's fishy. There's a part two in the doc, the Wrestling with Shadows doc that Phil's, Phil's talking about, where he's in the back room too with Michaels, and he asks Sean, clear as like, Sean, like, did you know about this? And, and you know, could snaky shot. Yeah. Swear to God. Swear to God, Brett. I, I, this is the first I heard of this. Swear I was not in on it. Yeah. Which is a lie. Which is a lie. So, so then, so just to play out Judd's theory here, it would be genius if, if this was all a work to sh- like it was a work to show that it wasn't a work, right? Um, and it and it and it was eventually going to set up the demise of WCW, and this launched this launched WWF into the the reality and attitude era, attitude era and yes. Stone Cold, and, yeah. and then Mike Tyson came in, and Vince McMahon was yeah. this amazing bad guy character. Um, a lot of that stuff I think was impossible to plan. But my favorite part about this whole thing is Bret Hart sour grapes for like ten or fifteen years. He finally comes back in like 2010 or something. I watched this last night too. But he had a stroke by I think mm-hmm. he had a stroke at one point and you know yeah. he had concussions and his career came With Sean, through. right? And they so they had him and Sean sort of made up and then him and Vince had a match. I want to say at WrestleMania where something like that. Where uh, Bret Hart just wore like jean shorts and beat Vince's ass with a classic Canadian Bret or something. So that was really good. That was really good. Does this does this make you want to investigate more into the late 90s? Era I enjoyed this of one greatly. Yeah. I enjoyed the, this was genius. So there's, there's. By the way, there's a few more that we're going to get into with so Judd here. Who, who knew? Um, so I, I, I Jim don't, Ross I knew? don't think it was a work. I think they screwed Brett. Yeah. Although, as Vince yeah, says, screwed. Brett screwed Brett. And I remember, I believe the agreement <laughs> was that yes, I'll let you win in Survivor Series, but you have to drop the title the next night on Raw. Like that was, I believe that was the penciled in agreement. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you can, you can win. You don't have to lose a title against Sean at Survivor Series, but the next night on Raw, either you're going to have to relinquish that yeah. title and or you're going to lose the title in a, in a match. But if I recall right, his contract was actually up after Survivor Series, and he said, I'll do you a solid. I'll come back for one more night and lose it the next night on Raw. Right. And Vince is like, uh, well, I can't trust you guys to do that. Yep. Uh, the other, the other, so for your next homework assignment, maybe we can do this again in a couple weeks here. Uh, let's go with the story of CM Punk's pipe bomb oh, promo. God. One of the great, another one that you don't know how real it was. Did he just go rogue? CM Punk, when his contract was running out about 10 years ago, cut a legendary promo on live TV that they they cut it because he was going too deep into like Vince's family. And the the show ended and everyone was like, did they cut his mic and end the show or did they plan this? I'm not sure. Um, oh, so man. the CM Punk pipe bomb promo All will right. be Judd's next homework assignment. Judd, do you know, too, uh, Brett, the Hitman Hart has his own uh, WHL team, the Calgary Hitmen. Oh, really? Yeah, the Calgary Hitmen. I did not know He's that. He's the owner of uh, oh, that's very cool. WHL team. That's awesome. Awesome jersey. Dex, are you ready for your shiny moment yes, here? Yes, Of course. And now, Phil Mackey updates Judd Zolgad on the latest happenings from The Bachelorette. All right, Declan Goff. Sorry, I, I'm like holding in a sneeze right now. Oh, don't don't sneeze on me. Uh oh, sorry. Uh oh, oh no, I gotta get down. Oh, no. <laughs> I gotta get below the table. So yeah, I'll, I'll put Go my ahead. head in that garbage yeah. can. All right, Declan, look. <laughs> you talk while Phil sneezes. I think I swallowed it. All right, oh. all right. Declan Goff gets 60 seconds to tell us everything that happened or the meaningful things that happened on last night's episode of The Bachelor. Do you want me to hit this timer? Yeah, go for it. You can. Right, here we go. Ready? All right. So uh, a, a briefer update here. 
We start with Heather. Heather storms in from a previous season, demanding that she wants to meet Matt. She's a best friend of Hannah Brown. They're destined to be together. All the other girls are pissed because this new girl's walking into the scene and hometowns are two weeks away. Anyway, after she gets bullied, which I find ironic because these group of girls were canceling all everyone else for bully culture, bully Heather. But Matt makes the decision that I'm going to send Heather home. This isn't fair to the other girls. I'm in love with these other girls. I can't put you into the fold. That's fine. But at the rose ceremony, Abigail gets the last rose, and Serena and Chelsea end up going home. But now it's hometown time. It's, it, it's, it's, we get to decide who is going where. So Serena P is going to hometowns. Also, uh, Jasenia gets sent home in the middle of her date. And then Kit calls herself out and says, I can't do this anymore. If you're not going to commit to me, I'm out. Kit's a young one. She's only 21 years old. Yep. So going into hometowns, it's going to be Rachel, Serena Serena P, Bree, and Michelle, which means we get a Edina edition of Hometowns next week on The Bachelor. Wow. Nice work. There he is. Right nice there. work. So, How many times did you practice timing that out late last night? Honestly, um, I did it the first week. I did not rehearse this one. It was really good. I did not rehearse why this did, one. Why did she quit in the midst of her date? I don't understand that. So I, I should have rephrased. So Kit, um, I believe she was on a group date. Phil, did you watch? We ended up watching I did. This oh, last yeah. Night? No yeah. spoilers so, here, baby. So he, she so um, was on a group date. Dopes. And I believe she like she basically spills her uh, heart out to Matt that like, hey, I'm young. She's the youngest one on the show. She's only like 21. Yeah. And she says like, her. I'm not ready for kids. Like I, I at least like I have a five year waiting period before like I'm even thinking kids, about that. Yeah. And Matt's made it very clear. I think from like the get go, like I, I'm I'm a I'm a little older. I want to start a family. Faith's really important to me. So Kit just says like, hey, like I want to be there too eventually, but like I'm not ready for that right now. But like I am falling in love with you, and I want to explore that avenue when we get there. So then once one of the girls gets the rose ceremony, Kit goes to Matt's apartment and says, mm. basically removes herself from the show. And was like, I can't do this. Like this, I is, think this I is saw hurting. that on Twitter. Yeah, she removed like she herself waves. from the show. She sacrificed herself for she the did. other four. She waves really bye-bye. She did. she did. And yeah. Michelle, the Edina girl, um, Woodbury native, but lives in Edina, she gets the last rose. And I was sweating. I was. Yeah, I it was, looked like she was gonna. It looked I like I was really upset. You know what she looked like? Very not good enough for her. It looked like a Sweet Sixteen elimination there after like blowing out the first two teams. You're like, totally. Oh, this is gonna be a run here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so here's the real controversy too this week. Oh, so Chris Harrison, the oh, face yeah. of the Bats. Oh, he's right? in trouble. Chris Harrison. Yeah. So he went on Rachel. So Rachel Lindsay does a podcast with uh, Van Latham uh, on the Ringer. It's a great podcast. Yep. And Rachel Lindsay is the first ever Black Bachelorette. Well, Rachel, who's in the final four, and I think goes further, we'll see. Uh, Rachel, who's from the South, there's a bunch of pictures and social media snippets from her past that are like her at plantation parties and a lot of like racial undertones, yeah. if not overtones, there, to her. There might her. have been a blackface thing she did at a sorority event. Yeah, yeah like very questionable good. things that she has that have come to the surface. And Rachel Lindsay, you know, asked Chris Harrison about it on on her podcast, and Chris Harrison basically said, "Oh, give her a break for God's sake! She's just having fun at a party." And it was like came off as like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" She's sounds like she is doing some racist things here. Anyways, um, so Rachel advances to the final four here, and Chris Harrison has stepped down temporarily from the Bachelor franchise. Oh That's no! But the oh, problem I didn't know is, stepped down. He stepped down temporarily, but the problem is they've already produced this whole season. Yeah. And so I think they cut some of his parts out of this episode. The only times he really showed up were like, ladies, this is the final rose. Yeah. And so he's he, in he, trouble? He walks away. Well, he's just like... With the network he, now? The way that he came off... I listened to the podcast. He was so like indignant that... Ray, he was basically like, Rachel Lindsay, he's telling a black woman 
listen, like, here's my take on this, oh, honey, okay. kind of a kind of a tone. And it was like, yeah, dude, you're talking to a black woman. Maybe you should ask what her opinion is on the subject. Yeah, sure. But anyways, that was the big drama this week. Cool. And that's Declan explaining The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Bravo, yeah. Declan. Thanks, buddy. Good job. Thank you. All right, let's go find our friend, Patrick Rice. Mackie and Judd on scorenorth.com and the Score North app. All right, Pat, uh, don't blink. You might miss a Matt Shoemaker start in 2021. Uh, well, he can pitch those 20 minutes he's healthy. Yep. Uh, but he hasn't pitched in, what, five years, basically, without four years without being, you know, he kept getting hurt. I remember when he was going to be a phenom, but uh, I don't know. It, when have you ever gotten one of those guys who had a horrible history of being injured and have him? not get injured, you know, so especially a pitcher. And he's had every problem known to man as a pitcher, arm, my shoulder, elbow, hitting the head with a line drive. He got good stuff, but this is obviously a flyer. And it's got to be a contract that they could get out of on March 30th, right? That last day before it becomes guaranteed if yep. they don't like what they see. So anyway, he's, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, they're taking a flyer, but the idea that what are they going to do with them? They already have five starters and one of them is Randy Dobnik. I wouldn't be that, uh, worked up that I, I think there's room for him if he can pitch. That for sure. He tore his knee up. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's done everything. He had shoulder elbow. He's had all kinds of stuff, uh, terrible injuries, but, uh, the most excited I'm about though is the greatest comeback. This could be the greatest comeback ever, Phil, for the Twins. Andrew Albers is getting invited to camp. How about that? Andrew Andrew got signed. Andrew, Andrew was, what, two straight shutouts, was it? Yes. That to open his, his Twins' career? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was. he's a fantastic Canadian kid. Uh, I think he's been in Korea. He's been all over the world ever since he was here trying to trying to get back and he got an invite obviously they want him pitching in triple a i guess so uh but uh his he's you know from saskatchewan or someplace his old man was a pitching legend up in canada pitched until he was about 50 in town ball so so he he must have been i admit i have not looked to see how he's done in either korea or japan i'm guessing he did well enough right i mean yeah, I don't know where he was last. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to research him a little bit. I used to have his phone number. I don't have it anymore. I can't find it. <laughs> what you lose in your phone book? <laughs> yeah, I might be in my. I used to have a book, but uh, <laughs> it's not in my phone. All right, here, here it is. But, I think I found it. So he's got. Oh my gosh, this guy has been. <laughs> he's been around, man. So he, uh, yeah, he's been around since two thousand eight. So he pitched in the last two years. It looks like he pitched for the Oryx Buffaloes in the Japanese league. And uh, he's slot balling six strikeouts per nine in the Japanese Pacific (laughs) league. Hey, what did he, how old is he? 36, maybe seven? He's 35 years old. Okay. Man alive. (laughs) It was, it seems longer ago than that, doesn't it? So uh, it is. Boy, to tell you about how the great unknown that they have with the pandemic and everything, they invited what? They invited 32 players 
to camp, I think. So they got 72. Plus, then they have a a traveling squad of 20 that they call the alternate group that they're going to be working out over at the other field uh, before the minor league stuff starts. So they got 90-some players in camp there. Wow. Nobody knows what the hell's going to happen when they get down there and uh, in the in the uh, COVID incubator that is Florida right now. So it'll be interesting. So we we, we got uh, him back. Who's next? Theobar, Albers, who's next? What former uh, twin? Oh, what do you mean? What for? Uh, I haven't really got X-Twins pitcher list. can we recycle? Oh. What's Jesse Crane up to? Jesse Crane. Yeah, can we just bring <laughs> back Crane. arbitrary pitchers well, from the Twins We brought back a few years ago. That was fun. You know who? You know who's going to come back four years from now after he's been gone to Japan and Korea and Mexico? Randy Dobnik. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's a good one. He'll be thirty-three and he'll come back. You know, <laughs> say we're going to give him another look. You're man. right. I could see that for sure. Yeah. Uh, Pat, the the other thing that we dove into earlier in the show is Adrian Peterson said he wants to play. For another five years or so, which would bring him into his forties, and uh, and he wants to get the extra three thousand five hundred yards to surpass Emmett Smith. I wouldn't put it past him at this point. Yeah, well, I want to be an underwear model too, and I don't think that's going to happen. So <laughs> I think those two things are not going to. No, he's done. He's cooked. Nobody's going to give him a. He didn't do anything this year. Zero. It's seven touchdowns right? for the Lions. <laughs> How many? Seven touchdowns for the Lions. It's the Lions. It's for Patricia. Yeah, well, they give the ball at the two and say, <laughs> yeah. can you run it in without fumbling, dummy? No, he Sometimes he can. <laughs> he, he, if he'll play for a million and be a backup, I suppose. But he's not. Nobody's going to make him a featured back. Nobody. No, I mean, that, that ship has sailed. He wants to play he for the Buccaneers. That, that's the best part. He's t- talking huh? about... He, he wants to play with Brady and the bucket. He came out like a oh, day after they won the Super Bowl, Pat, and said, yeah, I'd like to go to Tampa Bay, too. <laughs> You're delusional. They have a real need for him. Uh, exactly. Final piece the to the puzzle. <laughs> oh, he made millions of dollars, and he doesn't have any left. He kicked it all away, but took elephants to his birthday party you know? <laughs> that's true like when you when you if, if you blow like you know 50 100 million dollars and you're you know you're not what is he 35 or 36 years old do you think you look back and regret and say you know what probably didn't need the gold-plated camels well, hell, at my what's, his child, birthday. what's his child support payments like especially did the gold-plated camel show up after the scandal right it did yeah that was afterwards yeah i'll still throw the birthday party here and uh even though my uh, I, I'm now my PR is so bad, nobody's going to want to bring me in. Probably, uh, he's uh, the next time ESPN does one of those thirty for thirties on broke yep. athletes, which is one of the maybe their best thirty for thirty ever. Uh, they, I think Adrian might be one of the featured attractions. Oh, Salisbury was a was an, an attraction on that one. He didn't even make that much money, but whatever he made, he got rid of. He's still rocking, favorite, rocking the radio my, grind. My favorite <laughs> in that was the linebacker Keith, whatever his name. Keith was a like a number one round. Remember that the guy from Atlanta, Keith, somebody linebacker. He was in it. And he was very candid, and he was talking about how he got his settlement check. 
He was broke. He owed 300, he owed tens of thousands in child support. And if he wasn't going to pay it, he was going to go to jail. And he was driving. He had a check for like 53,000. That was it. That was done. He was driving to give it to his ex-wife. And he saw a, a Hummer dealer and he saw a gold Hummer and he went in and bought the gold Hummer. $50, That's and amazing. He, and he was just sitting there shaking. Remember that guy? He was just shaking his head at his own stupidity. It was yeah. unbelievable. Hey, speak, was speaking of 30 for 30s, did you did you happen to see the Al Davis, Roger, uh, um, well, I almost Pete said Rozelle. Roger Goodell, Pete Rozelle, 30 for 30 last week? No, but I got to watch it because you know who recommended it to me? Mrs. Ricey. Really? She, she doesn't care about sports that are happening, but she she watches 30-30s pretty uh, uh, consistently, and she told me how great that one was. It's so good. Watch it. She's got to watch it. I I remember he got uh, – I, I managed to irritate him in the press box at uh, Metrodome one day. Because he was sitting up there. He'd always sit up and back, you know, with have his little court there sitting in the second row. And they were sticking it out in the dome one day. I stood up and said, I wonder who put this collection together. (laughs) 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 You know, he'd sit up there and grouse, so I thought I'd give him a little shot. Yeah, no, it's the only thing – so they, they have actors that play – so the narration is actors that play uh, both characters, really? Roselle and Al Davis, and they, they look like them. They're dressed like them. Oh, really? It's a little, it's a little weird from that perspective, but the, the footage that they have and how in-depth they go into just the deterioration of their relationship and basically it was, tw- it was 20 plus years of the Raiders looking for a state-of-the-art stadium – now they finally have it, right? And and he's been dead for ten years. Yeah, uh, I, I've told you guys this before, but he and Don McMahon, the old twins, the late great old twins pitching coach, Don McMahon, uh, went to Erasmus Hall together in Brooklyn, and they were buddies. And in the off season, you know, his scouts were always like guys. You know, his, they could. They could tell you if a guy could play football, and they could also tell you if you want to have a guy end up in a trunk. Yeah, you know, they, were that, they were. They were. They were those kind of guys. McMahon would scout for in, the, in his off-season job as a baseball coach, and he was a longtime pitcher. Was scouting for McMahon. He'd go scout football players for McMahon and Georgia, and McMahon had sent him place to check this guy out. So it was uh, Davis, which just loyal to those buddies and wow. McMahon loved him while admitting he was nuts. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Keith McCants. Keith McCants. That's who you're thinking of. Keith McCants. Yeah. Keith, Keith McCants. It's, it's, it's hysterical. So I, I got to say something about the strip today though. Front page. Bukers and sucked. Don't you think it's terrible that we're giving publicity to these players that ended up this would have never happened if Sid was alive. No. I'm having us give publicity to the people who turned their could have turned two programs around and they turned their back to the Gophers. As, this would never happen if Sid was alive. As Sid said, they will never work in this town in real jobs <laughs> no, ever again. If Bukers wants to be an executive or something, she can do it, <laughs> but just not in Minnesota. No. Although 
if she becomes available, we'd probably give up eight players to get her to come here and play. I've got my plan, Patrick. It's the tanking plan. When she comes out, you got to be yeah. awful. Go win one game the year before. I countered your proposal though with starting our own league if we don't get her, like the uh, like the guy in Chicago did with George Mike, and he started his own league because he wanted Mike. We should start the Bukers League if we don't get her, and then get eight franchises to uh, form around her. I like so. it. I like it. <laughs> I saw her. I only I saw her play twice. I saw her play Farmington, which it would have ended up being the team that they would have played for the title last year if if they hadn't closed her down at the last minute. I saw her out there at Farmington in December, and she was really good. She wasn't making shots that night, but she was playing with like three other D1s and she just let them do what they, you know, it wasn't like, I got to go get 40. She, she'd pass to somebody open. She'd let somebody else. They do. They were so good. They could do anything they wanted. And then I saw her in the state tournament and she was really good. But the fact that she's this good is really amazing to me. It's uh, that, you know, that she's averaging she had, what, three, four straight games with 30 for UConn. So. Now, sometimes the WNBA does a good job of saying, ah, we need that player to be with that franchise. So yes, maybe that'll sure happen. Tutorial draft? Mm-hmm. They, they, well, you know, that's what they had in the NBA into the, in, well into the 50s, maybe. To, Hockey to two. The territorial draft. At one time, know? yeah. Yeah, they did. They Who did that to? Uh, Who else did that? Ho- Hockey did. Hockey did that? Montreal got a bunch of guys because oh, of the old right. territorial draft back game. in the day who yeah, they, they basically the just could handle. Hey, we're going to play a hockey game tonight, John. You and Declan got something to do. Late <laughs> night start, 9 o'clock, Pat. Let's go. 9 o'clock face-off. Just find that Don't streaming service you got. The team hasn't played for three weeks. They start up and you send them to the West Coast for a month. You know, shouldn't you be? When's the last time they played at the X? What, two weeks ago? Now, Please. I think two weeks ago, I think, yeah, they're gonna have like 23, but they're gonna have to make up games pretty soon. Yeah, don't worry about playing 56 games. That's My, what I keep if saying. Hockey players are so tough, point like, percentage. Baseball players That's will right. play double headers to make them up. If you yeah. think hockey players are tough, two period, <laughs> two yeah, period games, one and eight. Let's play a one and eight. Come on, we'll cut it down. <laughs> All right, Pat. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you, Roycey. All right, Jeff. All right, Good that's wrapping with Royce. You can also find Roycey Unchained every Monday with Judd on scorenorth.com. Bukers has to land here. Got a tank. Huge. Yep. She has to. Got a brick. It makes too much sense. Brick for Bukers. I don't know what the term is, but we got to find it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come up with some sort of a term committee. All right, that's a wrap. Write that down. Predictions and an accountability session tomorrow on the show. We'll see you guys over at Purple Daily too.